You remember this old song? What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Everything to God in prayer. Oh, what need for faith. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we that just true? Wow. Go ahead and have a seat. There's a lot happening in the world right now and a lot happening all around us and um, I'm very tempted to just like pitch everything and just roll in it today. Um, Doesn't it seem that the as things are continuing on in our world, that the things that used to matter to us just seem like stupid, trivial stuff. We have some big fish frying right now on a worldwide scale. And uh, so I'm going to go into what we're talking about today, though it might seem a little trivial to talk about. Um, let's just talk about our relationships I'm going to show you at the end how our relationships are key to the advancement of the gospel in our world today. So take your Bibles and you're going to get them opened up to Proverbs chapter 12 is where we're going to start today um, as we continue our series, um, Get Smart. And um, I just want to remind you of a couple of things as we get rolling. I want to remind you of our theme verse for this series comes from Proverbs 4, 7 that says this, wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. I love that. Wisdom is supreme, so duh, get wisdom. And it goes on to say, though it costs you all you have, get understanding. Our series goal is that for every single one of us, not just some of us, not just those who are very diligent, the goal of this series is for every single person sitting in here today with us, visiting with us online, is to make wiser choices more often. You're up for that, right? You want that, right? I mean, everybody should be like dying for that every day we get up and say, Lord, help me make wiser choices today than I made yesterday. I know that's what's on my Heart. But let me refresh your memory on the biblical definition of wisdom contrasted with foolishness. You're going to hear this a couple of more times as we go through this, but it's important to understand that when you're talking wisdom in the Bible, it is the ability, understanding, and desire to choose the best, most God-honoring course of action 
in any situation. It's not just the ability to do it. It's just not the understanding. Yeah, I've got the knowledge. It's the desire to choose it. It's one thing, right? We talked about that already. It's one thing to know the right that you should do. It's a whole other thing to choose the right that you should do and then to carry it out in your life in a practical way, in a godly way. Foolishness, on the other hand, is the person who is stubbornly refusing to do what wisdom demands. The Bible calls that person a fool. We don't want to be fools. We want to be wise. So the big question today is, are you ready to do the hard things that wisdom demands of you? That's the question for, for every one of us. Are we willing to do the hard thing that wisdom demands of us? Because most of the things, though they're not hard to understand, they're hard to do. So we're going to focus on what we started two weeks ago, getting smart in our relationships. So this is part two of that. Last time we were together in this uh, relational piece two weeks ago, we looked at the truth. The first truth is that in your new relationships, be careful. And we looked at Proverbs 12, 26. It said, the righteous should choose their friends carefully, for the way of the wicked leads them astray. We talked about the fact that wise people don't just float through life letting their friends choose them. They choose their friends. And wisdom demands that you and I be intentional and careful when choosing those that we're going to share our lives, the closest people we're going to share our lives with. So the bottom line uh, two weeks ago was that wisdom demands we choose those who are committed followers of Jesus Christ to be our closest friends, and to be our spouses to be our work associates. Those that we work every day in with and, and, and build close relationships with need to be committed followers of Jesus Christ. So in your new relationships, be careful. Here we go. Now we're into new territory. Number two, truth number two we want to work on today is in your closest relationships, be extravagant. In your closest relationships, be extravagant. So Proverbs 17, if you want to jump over to the book of Proverbs with me to verse, chapter 17, verse 17. A very simple verse, but very profound, says this. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. So our goal here is to, in our closest relationships, be extravagant. The first thing we want to see here from this passage is that we need to be extravagant in love. Now I want you to take your Bibles and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as we're gonna look at this um, thing of love. But you know, if, you, if you're gonna be extravagant in love, you need to know what love is. You need to know what he's talking about. Anybody in here old enough to remember Bette Midler? <laughs> One person raised his hand. Thank you, brother. Well, as I'm working through this, this song, The Rose, came to me, came to mind. Here's the lyrics of that song, because Bet thinks she knows what love is. Some say love. No, I'm not going to say it for you. <laughs> that would be fun, wouldn't it? Some say love, it is a river. I, I'm having a hard time not being sarcastic here, but it is a river that drowns the tender reed. Some say love, it is a razor that leaves the soul to bleed. 
Some say love. It is a hunger, an endless aching need. Here comes the theologian bet. But I say love. It is a flower. (laughs) And you, it's only seed. She needs to read the Bible. Because that is not what love is. And I'm sure there's some philosophical thing in there that I don't care to take any time to try to figure out with you today. Because guess what we have? I got some really good news for you. You want some good news? We have the absolute truth on what love is. And we can, be, we can know exactly how to be extravagant in love with those that we love, those who are in our closest relationships. You want to hear about it? All right, here we go. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4. Here's, in fact, 1 Corinthians 13 is the biblical picture of love. And 1 Corinthians 13 gives us the list of what an extravagant, a person who's loving extravagantly will do in their closest relationships. Now here's what I want you to do. Secretly score yourself on this. And see if, you're, if you love extravagantly. Here it is, first of all, verse four, love is patient. Let's just pause there. <laughs> How you doing in your closest relationship with patience? Love, true love, extravagant love, is patient with those who we hold dearest to our hearts. You know what's crazy is that most of the time, the people that we're the most impatient with are the ones that we would say are our closest relationships. Shame on us. That's not being a biblical friend. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous or boastful. You keeping score right now? Love is not proud or rude. Okay, can I just stop here for a second? How many of you, this is like really easy stuff. This is just easy, right? Piece of cake, right? Is it the opposite? So is loving extravagantly an easy thing to do or a hard thing to do? Are you willing to do the hard thing for your closest friends? For those who are dearest to you, are you willing to do the hard thing and be extravagant in these things? That's what he's asking. And he's explaining to us Love does not demand its own way. I'm raising my hand because I'm really good at not demanding my own way. I'm just kidding. How's that going in your relationships? You know that brokenness in relationships is mostly due to somebody saying, I want my way. I, I totally blew this yesterday. And the day before. Now, I'm not getting a, doing that to give you a, I, I totally blew it. Two days in a row. Because I want my way and I want it now. That's not what extravagant love is in our relationships. Love is not irritable. <laughs> it doesn't keep records of being wronged. There's a big one. Listen to this. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. Bottom line, biblical love 
is a self-sacrificing love. It's being willing to give up everything that I necessarily want in order to meet the needs, identify the needs, and meet the needs of those that I am the closest to. I love them in a way that gives them everything they need at my expense. That's what extravagant love is. What does that sound like? Who does that sound like? Doesn't it sound like the Lord Jesus Christ, who though he was God, thought it not robbery to, to hold, or th- I got that all mixed up. Who though he was God, did not consider equality with God something to be held onto, but he freely gave it up and offered himself in obedience to the Father as a sacrifice for your need and mine. They saw the need, and in, our, in his great love, in God's great love for us, he sent his son Jesus to die for us so that while we were still sinners, Christ would die for us so that we could have salvation. And he offered himself freely. No one took my life from me. I laid it down for you. That's what he said. Gave up myself I was beaten, I was abused, I was stricken, I was mocked, I was humiliated, and I was killed on a cross for you. That's extravagant love. We are called in our closest relationships to love like that. Giving extravagantly and sacrificially of ourselves. You know, at the end of chapter 12 in in 1 Corinthians, the, the very last verse, Paul says, I want to show you a more excellent way. I want you to consider the better gifts, the best gift, and I want to show you a more excellent way. And then he describes love in chapter 13. Why is love the more excellent way? This kind of love than anything else out there. Can I illustrate that for you? You know, David, you had a birthday this week, right? Yeah, that's you. Your name's David, right? Jesus. Okay, hang on a second. Everybody hit the rewind button. Hey, Dan. Where did David come from? Um, I'm really embarrassed right now. Happy birthday. He's looking at me, and I go, David, I'm looking at him. You had a birthday day. He goes, you look a little hungry. As I was sitting here, you know, as I'm talking, I'm I'm looking at my crowd, and I noticed you look a little hungry, and so I've identified a need in your life. I'm, you know, Ashley didn't feed you enough this morning, or maybe didn't feed you at all this morning, and so... um, I just want you to know, I have an apple up here. I, this is my snack from in between, but I'm willing to give it to you um, if, you're, if you want it. So I want to meet your need, okay? So um, there you go. I have another one in the back, which is like much bigger and better than that one. Um, <laughs> but I want you to have, I want you, I want you to be happy. And Is that love? It, Did I sacrifice my apple for him? Don't shake your head. No, yes, I did. This is my, was my apple. And I gave it to Dan or David, however you want to know him as. I gave it to Dan because he had a need. 
Is that what extravagant love is? It is not. It's, this is what more extravagant love is. Hey, you look hungry, buddy. And I have, um, I have a snack that is my favorite snack in between services. And it is that thing. Give that to me. Give that back to me because that's nasty. That is like a nasty Jonathan Gold or something like that. But this is, look at this, baby. This is, this is a honey crisp. And it's a cold honey crisp, and it's a fresh honey crisp, okay? And I want you to have it. This, this is what I eat in between services. This is what I eat in between services. And I want you to have my, my honey, cold honey crisp apple to meet your need. But I don't want to just, like, give it to you. I want to do something special, okay, with it. Because um, I'm going to core it for you with my nifty core machine. And... Um, as if this wasn't good enough. I want to give you a special treat and maybe even a secret. Maybe you don't even know this, that Jif peanut butter is the best peanut butter. There's some people in this room that think like Peter Pan or something like that is. They don't know what they're talking about. But... In fact, you know what? You just just keep all of this, and I want you to have this, and I want to meet, I want to meet your need, with the very best I know how. Okay, do you get it? Do, what was that? Do you see it? Is it good? I want some right now. <laughs> Listen, God hasn't made us to be the happiest when we're just receiving. Did you know that? Some people think, you know, as long as I get everything I want, I'll be the happiest I can be. That's not true. That's not how God created people to be. That's certainly not what he has planted in his children, his sons and daughters who have the Holy Spirit. That is not in you. It's not even created in you. God has made us to be most fulfilled when we are giving of ourselves specifically to meet the needs of another person, identify the need and meet the need to the best of our ability, even in self-sacrifice, I gave him my good Honeycrisp apple and I gotta eat that other thing in between the service. But that's what extravagant love says. That's what extravagant love does. Because it is in giving, Jesus said this, it is in giving that we receive. Does that make sense? So many of us are messed up in our relationships because we think we're gonna be happiest if we can get the people and manipulate the people on the other side of us to get us what we need. In fact, some of us are so screwed up with this. Oh, my word, did I just say that out loud? I'm gonna say some things, and I don't mean to hurt anybody's feelings. I really don't. I'm living this. I am living this. Are you hearing me? I'm, seek, I'm preaching to myself today. But some of us are so messed up that we spend time manipulating the people around us by doing good things for them so they will do good things for us. That is not extravagant love. I'm gonna give you that apple so that next week you bring me a gift. How many times do we do that? You know what, I'm gonna be extravagant with you 
because I know you'll feel guilty and you want to be extravagant with me. Is that way I'm going to exchange something. That's not extravagant love. Extravagant love is giving the best I have and sacrificially giving of myself to you, expecting nothing in return just because I love you, just because I want to meet the need. That's why this thing of salvation is so important that we realize it is freely given to us. Salvation is free gift of God because if you have to turn around and try to now earn it back, you've totally missed salvation. You can't do anything to earn it or deserve it. He offered it to you knowing you can't pay him back. How awesome is that? And that's what he expects us to do in our closest relationships. Jesus said in Acts 20, 35, it tells us that Jesus said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That's where the gold is, you guys. That's where the blessing is. It's giving without expecting anything in return. And wisdom shouts in your current relationships, let your love be extravagant. Now go back to chapter 17 of Proverbs, verse 17. Not only does a friend love, but notice in the verse, a friend loves at what? At all times. A friend loves, and he loves at all times, not just in the good times. You get that? Not just in the prosperous times, just not in the peace times, not just in the peace time. How about this? Not just when the recipients of your love are able to reciprocate. It's quite the opposite, actually. Look at the text again. A friend loves at all times, and true friends are born for times of trouble and adversity. Isn't that interesting? A true friend loves at all times and loves you through the worst of times. In fact, this is the litmus test of true friendship because we all know far more people out there in the world, in our world, than we can truly count as genuine friends. And those true friends are the ones who will show up, not just when things are going well, but they are with you when you go through hardship. A true friend was born for times of adversity. Extravagant love, the scripture tells us, endures all things. It's in the hard times and our worst times when our true friends stand up and say, hey, I am here, I'm not going anywhere. Sometimes we're like, get away from me. I have blown it so bad, I am so broken, I am so messed up, I'm, get away from me, I'm hideous. Don't look on me because of the way I've messed everything up. And the true friend says, "Um, sorry, I'm your friend. I know that you've made a mess of everything. But because I love you, I'm here. In fact, I'm not just here. Listen, I was born for this moment. A true friend was born for adversity. I have been given to you in your life for this very moment at this time to be here for you 
in your greatest time of need. I'm not going anywhere. That's what a friend does. That's what an extravagant friend does. Now, that's hard sometimes, you guys. Especially when it's, it's one thing to like, come alongside of somebody who life strikes them hard and strikes them down, but it's a whole other thing when that, that downtime that they're having, that distress is due to their own hand. And your brother did something really stupid, really ridiculous and foolish. And you want to go, what were you thinking? You know. <laughs> Sometimes we have to do that with our brothers. You don't do that with a sister, I don't think. But you do that with a brother. I need a brother to slap me around sometimes and say, what are you thinking? What were you thinking? But then the true friend stays right next to you and helps you figure out what you were thinking and helps you figure out a path to get out of that spot that you're in and never go there again and walk with you all the way through. Acquaintances, not so much. In fact, acquaintances will always go, "Mm, there's a problem here. And they step away from you in your times of hardship. Not a true loving friend. They lean toward you when you're down. In fact, when the wheels completely come off, look around. Those are your closest friends. The people that are still standing with you, those are the ones who are your closest friends. They're loving you extravagantly, selflessly. So we need to be extravagant in our love. Um, Here's another thing. We need to be extravagant in protection. Jump over to Proverbs 16, 28. Proverbs 16, 28. A troublemaker plants seeds of strife and a gossip separates the best of friends. What Solomon is saying is that There is a certain kind of person out there and you need to be watching out for them because like we saw in depth two weeks ago, you need to steer clear and give this kind of person a very wide berth. Stay away from these kinds of people. In fact, in the NIV, um, this person is called perverse, the perverse person. So here it is. There is a perverse troublemaker out there who for whatever reason delights in planting little seeds of strife in people's relationships with the goal of separating the closest of friends. Oftentimes this person isn't obvious right away. It's not obvious what they're doing, but they're out there nonetheless. And we're being told that that person is perverse and is a troublemaker because what they're doing is they're constantly planting little seeds of strife, always, in everybody's world, in everybody's world, planting little seeds of strife. You know anybody like that? I think we all know somebody like that. It's not obvious right away, but over time, those little seeds, they eventually grow up to be weeds that will get in between the best of friends and will break up the relationship between the best of friends. And if you look closer, they aren't boisterous about it. They're not loud about it. If you're reading the ESV, the second half of that verse says that instead of a gossip, it says a whisper. A whisperer separates the best of friends. A whisperer, which is what gossip is all about. Right? 
I loved your message last week. Um, I'm going to get to that in a second. Sean, wherever you are, right there. I'm going to get to that in a second. Um, Gossip, my friends, is telling little juicy secrets, whispering. Little juicy secrets with innuendo and slander, with the intent to divide. They want to divide you. The only goal in that is to divide you from the person that they're telling you about. It comes with a bad report full of half-truths, exaggerations, and motive assessments. It's, psst, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you know? Can you believe it? That's how it comes. Doesn't come from the platform. Comes from the parking lot. Comes from the hallway in the back of the office or the coffee station or it comes at the mall. It even happens in Bible studies in the form of a prayer request. Oh, girls, we need to pray for Betty. Her thighs are growing. Seriously, I think she's depressed and she's binge eating. We need to pray. Let's pray for her right now. Well, where's Betty? Well, she's not here this week. Well, why didn't you bring this up last week? I can't bring it up in front of Betty. Did anybody stop to think that maybe Betty has a need? Man, where did that come from? Did anybody stop and think that maybe they ought to go talk to Betty and find out what's wrong? Hey, Betty, are you okay? A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. A gossip separates the best of friends. Now, unless you just think that I was just picking on a Bible study, I could just give you example after example after example. Unless you think I'm up here self-righteously talking to you, I am guilty of the same thing. What is it about us? The perverse, troublemaking heart that loves to spread little whisper, little tidbits of negativism and a bad report to cause people to think badly about somebody else when we haven't done the work to go to that person out of extravagant love and extravagant protection to find out what's wrong with our friend. You know why this verse is in the Bible? A troublemaker plants seeds of strife and a gossip separates the best of friends. You know why it's in the Bible? It's not here to rebuke the person who causes strife. That's not why it's in the Bible. It's to warn those of us who want to protect our closest relationships That there are people out there that are planting seeds of strife to attack our closest relationship for whatever reason and whatever motivation. I'll leave the psychiatrist up to figure that all, that whole thing out. But whatever's in their heart to break up the closest of our relationships, they're out there trying to do that. And the warning is be careful because that's happening everywhere. And do not be part of any of that. So let me ask you you want to protect your relationships, your closest relationships? Everybody want to protect them? Do you? Do you really? Because you don't seem like that excited about it. Do you want to protect your closest relationships? 
Yeah, I want to. You want to do it extravagantly? Are you sure you want to hear about it? Okay. Let's go to Proverbs 17, 9. Here's what you can do. Whoever covers an offense promotes love, but he who repeats a matter separates the closest of friends. Here, here it is. Write it down. The first thing that you can do to protect your relationships is to stop the repetition. One author that I was reading on this this week said this, things travel pretty fast through the sour grapevine. A loving friend says, it stops with me. A loving friend says, I'm not gonna listen to that. So the question, do bad reports stop with you or do they get passed on through you? Are you known as? See, it's, you know, if people know you as a brick wall with gossip, you'll be like, how come no one ever brings gossip to me? Are you known as a brick wall? For gossip and a bad report, or are you known as a conduit? If you're a conduit, you're a lousy friend. Can I just whisper that to you? Because it seems really harsh to say it out loud. But that's the reality. A true friend is extravagant in protection. No, you aren't coming there here with this. You're, you're, not, you're not bringing it. I'm not going there, and you're not bringing it here. That's my friend you're talking about. Yeah, but did you know that he said this? No, he didn't. No, he did not. Because my friend isn't characterized by that. Yeah, but this is the only time he's ever done it. Shut up. I'm not listening to that. That's my friend you're talking about. I'm not going there. I know what some of you are thinking right now. Some of you are thinking, well, what if your friend did say that? Well, there's a way to handle that. There's a way to find that out. There's a way to deal with that. But it is not by spreading gossip about him, I can tell you that. What good is it that you're coming to me with that? One pastor said this, he goes, whenever people in the congregation, and they come a lot with things about somebody else in the congregation, he says, I have simply started saying like this, I don't have ears for that. Yeah, but, but, no, I don't, I, I don't have ears for that. And then he went like this. Do these look like garbage cans to you? <laughs> you wanna know what I have found stops gossip in its tracks? People come to me and they wanna tell me something about somebody and I go, what? Well, what did Pat say when you went to him and told him that? And you know what the majority of people say to me? I didn't go to Pat. I'm not going to Pat with that. And the, why are you coming to me? What am I going to do with this? Is that what the Bible wants? Is that what God wants? People just spreading gossip within the church, breaking up relationships, planting seeds of strife. <laughs> you guys, you guys are worried about me right now, aren't you? I can tell in your faces you're like, he's really freaking out on this kind of stuff. Well, I actually am. You know, you'd be like, why are you making such a big deal about this, Phil? Because this is why 
Love believes the best until proven otherwise. We're supposed to cover offenses according to this verse and promote love. That's what we're supposed to be about. That's what extravagant love does and extravagantly protecting one another. Are there times where the report, the bad report is true? Are there times when you hear a bad report and it ends up being true? Yes, but you know what I found out in my world? More times than not, it's not. It's just gossip or it's somebody's interpretation of what they thought happened or what they heard about happened and they're passing it on second, third, and fourth hand down the way. That is not helpful in the body of Christ as we're gonna see in just a second here. Love believes the best until proven otherwise. That's what a true friend does. That's how to protect your friendship. Sounds like our nation, right? You are innocent until not anymore. I'm making a big deal out of this because God makes a big deal out of this. Did you know that there is a verse in the Bible that says God hates a false witness? And it literally says it like this, and a man who stirs up dissension among believers. It doesn't say he hates dissension among believers. It says God hates a man who stirs up dissension among believers. Want to know where that is? Proverbs 6, 19. It actually says that he hates it and it is detestable to him. This kind of thing that we're talking about, gossip and slander, makes him sick. There's no place in his kingdom and amongst his people, especially in the church of Jesus Christ. This kind of behavior is not of the Father. And we're told to be extravagant in love and fiercely protective in our relationships. This is the way of Jesus Christ. Now you might be asking, well what if my friend has truly failed and what if they have failed me? And what if they've actually sinned against me? What if, what if my friend has done something consciously or unconsciously to hurt me? What if I've done something to my friend unconsciously or consciously to hurt them? What am I supposed to do? I'm glad you asked. Number three, truth number three. In your broken relationships, hurry up. Now, I know that I won't win any sermon outlining awards with that one, um, but I couldn't come up with a better way of accurately describing God's heart on this. When you know that there is brokenness between you and your brother or you and your sister, hurry up. Get to them as quick as you can, as quickly as you can. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter four while I continue to talk here. Sean, I loved your message last week on, on anger. Thank you. Uh, for bringing it so powerfully and so well to us. But um, I'm gonna quote Pastor Sean right now. He said this, our relationships are like fine china. They must be handled with gentleness and care or else, remember this, our relationships will look like this. And the hard truth is that sometimes, actually, the hard truth is that all the time, 
we hurt each other. I don't know any friendships that don't have some of this, especially close friendships. We hurt each other because we're broken. And our brokenness breaks the people around us. But here it is, are you listening? In your broken relationships, hurry up. In fact, here, I think I have it on the screen here. Do whatever you can, as quick as you can, to mend the brokenness. You listening? Look at that. Watch that, because that is, that is one of the most important things today that we're talking about. Do whatever you can, as quick as you can, to mend the brokenness. Look at Ephesians 4, 26. Don't sin by letting anger control you. We heard that last week. Great discussion on that. And then get this point. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. Here's more Sean Fox from last week. Our anger always leaves a mark. Harsh handling of those we love leaves harsh marks. And Paul says, don't let the sun go down on that anger that caused that brokenness between you and your brother or you and your sister. Don't let the sun go down. In other words, go and fix it while it is still today. That's at the heart of God. Because unchecked anger and the related unresolved brokenness and bitterness is in a list of things that is not, if not dealt with, will cause you to grieve, verse 30, to grieve the Holy Spirit of God. Because disunity, division, dissension is not of God. It is anti-Christ. Has no place in the body of Jesus Christ. So verse 31 of Ephesians chapter 4, look at it. So Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Get rid of all that stuff. Take it off. And what are we supposed to put on instead? Instead, be kind to each other. Tenderhearted. Forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. That's what it looks like. That's how we love each other extravagantly and protect our relationships extravagantly and fix our broken relationships. Matthew 18, 15. This is what Jesus speaks about on this topic. If another believer sins against you, go and tell everybody about it. Tell the world. Go to all your other friends and say, do you, can you believe what Phil did to me? How dare he do that to me? What is wrong with him? I know what's in his heart. No, you don't. That's not what Jesus wants. That's not what Jesus said to do. If your brother sins against you, what are you supposed to do? You go privately to him, just you and him. That's what you do. Well, that's hard, Phil. I know. Nobody said it was going to be easy. It's a hard thing to do. You've had to do that before, right? Right? It's not easy to go and say, uh, brother, you hurt me. 
In fact, it takes us a bit of humility to do that and to admit that. But Jesus says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. What's the goal? And if the other person listens and confesses it, you have won the person back. Here's what happens in the body of Christ. Ephesians 5.21, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. How do you do that? I hurt you. You're supposed to come to me and say, Phil, you hurt me. And because I love you and I want to submit to you, I want to say, oh, man, I'm sorry. And if I did it on purpose, I'm going to go, guilty. I had a really bad day, and I'm sorry. I, I should never have treated you like that. Will you forgive me? And what will my brother do? Of course, I'll forgive you. And we mend the relationship, and we move on. And guess who knows about it? How many people in the church know about it? Two. You know what I have found, my friends? So many times when I think someone has sinned against me, and I've gone to my brother, or I've gone to my sister, and I've said, hey, sister, hey, brother, you sinned against me. This is what it felt like to be on the other side of you in this situation. I just have to bring it up. I gotta point it out. You know how many times that has happened and I hear, oh my word, this is, you have a totally a different view of what really happened, Phil, and, and we work it out and all of a sudden I realize that was just a misunderstanding on my part. And if I carry that around day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, holding bitterness in my heart every time I see my brother, I remember that thing that he did to me. You guys, that happens all the time. It, you know some people probably in your life right now, that's happening with you and that person. I hate to say it like that, but that's probably, ha it happens everywhere. It's represented everywhere in this room. And God is not okay with that. And Jesus is not okay when we act like that. That is not loving each other. In the body of Christ, we need to be clean with each other. And if you, you, you go to your brother just you and him. You know what Jesus also said in Matthew chapter five? If you're at church, like today, and you're worshiping the Lord, and you're lifting up high the name of Jesus, and while you're lifting high the name of Jesus, you remember, oh man, yeah, I hurt my brother this week. You know what Jesus said to do? Leave your gift that you're offering me, leave it, go right now, and make it right with your brother, the person that you hurt, and then come back and worship me. That's how important this is to the heart of Jesus, you guys. He would rather you take the time to go get things right with your brothers and your sisters, your friends and your loved ones, instead of coming to worship him in here. Now you take, if you need some extra time because your week is so full, then you go take the time in the worship service and you go deal with this. That's how important these relationships are in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Do you hear the hurry up in all of that? This is so at the heart of Jesus. In John chapter 17, Jesus says, I'm, not, I'm praying not for these disciples. This is an amazing prayer. I, this is a special verse to me. He says, I'm not praying, Father, for these disciples that are before me, but I am praying also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Did you know that over 2,000 years ago, when Jesus was praying this prayer for his disciples, 
He had you on his mind and he was looking down into the future and saying, I'm praying this for everybody who is going to, everybody sitting in this place on August the 1st, 2021, who believe in me, this is my prayer for them. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one. And may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. How will the world know that we are his disciples? Because of the great love we have for one another. Because they will see that Christians love sacrificially and they're extravagant in their love and they're extravagant in their protection of one another and they're unified because they deal with their brokenness today. That's not happening out in our world. Um, I feel as though I've been too harsh today. And I feel um, in your response to me, you've got like, like that shocked look. And I'm not angry. Yes, I am, kind of. I'm dealing with my anger. And on this, because... The bottom line is we do this too much. We, we don't follow the biblical pattern of handling conflict in our relationships when it's so clear. And so I just wanna ask you are, you, are you willing to do the hard thing that wisdom demands? See, wisdom demands that we be careful in our new relationships, that we be extravagant in our closest relationships and that we go fix the brokenness in as fast as we can in our broken relationships. That's what wisdom demands. So that there can be such a unity within the body of Jesus Christ that the world will see it and they'll know. That's what Jesus said, that's how they'll know that his love is here and his love is real. And they can experience something in this body that they can't experience out there. So my question to you, anyone out there saying, oh boy, (laughs) I know exactly who I need to hurry to today. The question is, do you love your brothers and sisters extravagantly enough to hurry to their side today and attempt to fix all that is broken between you? That's the question I want to send you out with today. Are you willing to do the hard work that wisdom demands? Would you stand with me as I pray over that? Because, Lord, we know that um, we need your help with ourselves, but we also need your help as we go to our brothers and sisters who we have a broken relationship with. We need your favor as we go, and I'm asking for that for all of us, that we will have the humility and the courage and the strength to go and do the right thing so that we can be free in our relationships 
of conflict, that we will be godly in the way that we handle bad reports so that the world will see in us the way that we handle each other and the way that we love each other, they will see your love. Now, um, as we're sitting in this time of prayer, um, you know that there is a friend who will never let you down, who will never entertain an accusation against you, and his name is Jesus. And I just want to ask you um, here in this room and those of you who are online with us, do you know him as your friend? I don't want to just, do you know him? Do you know him as your friend? Was there a time in your life when you understood how broken you were? Because of your sin, you needed a savior and you humbled yourself on that day and you repented of those sins and you reached out to take the nail-scarred hand of Jesus and you moved from being an enemy of God to being a friend of Jesus. I just want to make the offer to you that you can have that today. It's available to you today. And I would encourage you to reach out and take that hand, a nail-scarred hand of Jesus, and take him as your friend today. Lord, help my friends here in this room, whatever the decision is that you're placing on their heart right now to have the courage to do it today. And we'll give you the praise and glory for it all as we go out and move about in our world. Um, and we do all this in Jesus' name, amen. You have one more second. I know we're like way over time, but um, we have some exciting news to bring some new people into our membership, and I'd like to vote them into membership at this point. If you are here, um, as I read your name, would you just kind of scream out? No, I'm just kidding. Just to raise your hand so we can know if you're in the building, okay? So we've got Brent and Nikki Dunaway. Are you guys... Right over here, everybody see them? Wave, come on, wave, 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 wave. We've got Grant Delapaz, I saw him right down here. And um, Jackie Clendaniel, are you in with us today in this service? Okay, she'll probably be in the next service. And uh, Matt and Meredith Jackson, back here. Wave some more so we can all see you. There you go, you're kind of in the dark back there. Pam Penninger, I think she's in second service normally. And um, Bridget Deerdorf, soon to be Cox. Right down here. All right, Bridget. So um, we have a motion from Dan Wortman uh, to receive these into membership and a recommendation from the deacons. Do I have a second? Okay, Steve Etner, thank you very much. All in favor, say a big yes. yes. Yeah, and we'll finish this in the second service. Welcome, you guys. We're so happy to have you part of us and our membership here. Um, hey, God bless you on your way out. Um, go with the Lord and give somebody a big high five or a big hug in the name of Jesus Christ as you go. Thank you for joining our worship service online today. 
Our prayer is that the worship and teaching will inspire you to love God, love others, and influence the world for Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today, we'd love to know about it. You can click on the link for our online connection card. If you haven't yet, you can download our church app and you can see more opportunities and messages and even share this message with a friend. And go to our website, fbclcart.org, for even more opportunities. We hope to see you back here next Sunday morning at FBC Elkhart.